Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. As I'm sure everyone is aware at this moment, the stock market has been under pressure recently with the S&P 500 down over 20% in the first half of the year after reaching all-time highs in January. There are many reasons to account for this, and we went over some of those in a prior episode. Today, we wanted to compare the current bear market with those in the past and also discuss what could get stocks out of the current rut. And just a reminder, this episode, along with all episodes, are brought to you by Provenance Wealth Advisors, a financial planning and wealth management firm located here in sunny South Florida. So if we're going to talk about bear markets, let's define it. A bear market is defined by a drop of 20% or more from previous highs. And as Joe mentioned, we peaked in January, January 3rd specifically. And when we talk about bear markets, most people are talking about broad markets or markets as a whole. In this case, Joe mentioned the S&P 500, which is often the case, but there are also other areas that may be in a bear market even longer or are down even more. And so far this year, some of those areas are the most more growth oriented sectors, such as high growth stocks or even something more broad like the growth oriented NASDAQ. So to start, it's not uncommon for stock markets to decline. While they tend to average growth over 10% per year, moments of volatility do occur. And if we look back to the 1980s, the average intra-year decline on stocks is 14%. But we're below 20%, which as Shane just described, are considered bear markets. So how does this bear market compare to prior bear markets? So if we look at the last 70 years or so, or since 1949, we've now had 15 bear markets. Which if you're doing the math, that means we tend to have a bear market about once every 4.8 years. And since 2000, that math has actually worked out with four bear markets. If bear markets are going to occur once every five years or so, they should be factored into any well-thought-out investment strategy. So the next question is, Are what are some clues we can take away from prior bear markets? Here we are looking for a number of things. First, how much are the average decline during bear markets? Next, how long do they last? And lastly, how quickly do they recover? The answers to these questions and the environment in which they occurred can give us some clues as to where we could be headed in the future. So let's tackle that first question, the average declines during past bear markets. Again, going back to 1949, the average decline during those 15 bear markets is 30.3%. And with the S&P 500 down about 20% in the first half of the year, we are down about two-thirds of that historical average. In terms of the length of time, the average bear market decline took an average of 388 days, so just over a year. With all-time highs in recent January, we're about halfway through the historical decline in terms of duration. And a big question we keep getting asked is how quickly will the market recover back to its previous highs? We all remember the market recovery during the pandemic, and this will help put that into historical context. On average, it takes 1,922 days for the market to recover back to the previous established highs, or just over five years. By comparison, back in 2020, it took 181 days for the market to recover during COVID, less than 10% of the historical average. It should be noted that generally speaking, declines tend to be much more mild, swifter, and more quickly recover when bear markets are not accompanied by recessions. And we can't really tell at the moment right now whether we're in a recession or not, because Recessions are defined as two negative quarters of GDP growth and determined after the fact. So said another way, recessions are usually defined later on, which makes it difficult to gauge at this time. 
This is why so much attention will be paid to economic data points in the coming weeks and months, as weakening indicators could suggest that the economy is weakening in light of recent Fed rate hikes and inflationary pressures. So now on to the next question, and that is, when will stocks stop their recent decline and start that move higher? The answer to that question depends on many, many things, but really it starts with inflation. It is because of the recent inflation that the Fed has had to raise interest rates as much as they have, and whether or not they will continue to do so will depend on whether or not inflation cools in the future. And that's a tough question to answer. Currently, there are a broad array of factors contributing to the current inflationary pressures, supply chains, high demand from wages, high real estate prices, and not to mention the current war between Russia and Ukraine. At the moment, there's just not much visibility on these issues. So two other things that we pay a lot of attention to to see when this market will turn around are earnings and valuations. Historically speaking, valuations, such as the P-E ratio, tend to decline by 25% if we are in recessionary periods, and earnings tend to decline by only 13%. As things exist at the moment, valuations have declined in excess of the amount we've seen during past recessionary periods, which could be looked at as a positive moving forward. But we still haven't seen a real impact to earnings at the moment. So some things we need to look at is the Fed continuing to raise interest rates, does inflation start to cool, and what are the impact on earnings? Given where things are at the moment, it's difficult to say with precision how quickly things will turn, but we should start to get some clues in the coming weeks and months. And it's important to remember in all of this that time horizon is a critical component of a well-thought-out investment strategy. If you have a long-term time horizon, you can actually see this type of volatility as an opportunity where you can get some long-term growth. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Relatable Finance. As always, if you have any questions, please reach out to us at podcast at probwealth.com and check out our website at relatablefinancepodcast.com. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA, and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed, and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.